This podcast comes to you from the Osteopathic Health Center in Dubai. Integrating health and wellness for the body, mind, and soul. Ian, it is my pleasure to have you here today on the All of You podcast. Um, I'm very excited, both from a personal and a professional perspective, because I you know, experienced what you're doing out in the community of Dubai. And um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm really kind of uh, excited in, in anticipation of what you're going to share with us today. Um, but just to start off with you, just to kind of uh, give you a, a little bit of an insight, the All of You podcast is an inspirational and educational conversation to help simplify good health and empower people with the tools um, to thrive in a modern world that poses many challenges to our health, vitality, and happiness. Today, we're really going to delve into what it means to um, be well on a day-to-day basis and also how our day-to-day interactions with our environment and our community can really uphold that. So first of all, tell us about um, who you are, um, what you do in the community, um, and how it started. Okay. Who I am is just a, a, a regular person that, that is ultimately looking to uh, make a positive change in the world um, and lead by example. The feeling that I felt during COVID times um, and also during a time where there was a lot of change in my life. And I think during that, that period, a lot of people felt the same way. Some people had it easier than others. Some people had it a lot harder than others. Uh, some people lost everything during that period. Some of their belief systems were being shattered. Um, uh, certain things were being shut out um, during that period. And and I just felt it was a time where uh, a lot of people were, were struggling to find a way of how to be feeling happy and significant in, in, in this world. Yeah. Um, and I was one of those people. I was struggling, you know, during that period uh, in a multitude of different ways. And uh, I, I mean, at, at 44 years old, um, I had a lot of tools in my kit bag that allowed me to uh, draw on that to deal with certain situations. And uh, I, I was navigating it myself from a mental standpoint and trying my best to deal with how I was feeling in different ways. But it wasn't until my first experience um, using uh, breath and ice c- uh, combined that I gave myself that, that that initial release both mentally and physically and that set me on a path uh, that changed my direction of how I was feeling and how I was thinking and because that got my attention and because that made me think in a different manner I began going down or going through my own journey discovery uh, what this was all about and why it had such an impact. So I began exploring it on my own to begin with. Um, and during that experience, um, I began to understand, yes, there are certain thoughts and methodologies, um, but ultimately when you bring it back down to the individual, everybody is going to have their own journey in that space. So we're talking about the space of, of using cold water therapy and breath work yeah okay yeah that practice had put me on a different uh path mentally speaking so having put myself into that practice um 
I began looking at things differently. I began looking at others differently. Of course, uh, a lot of those people thought I was completely crazy. You know, it wasn't quite so mainstream at that particular time. During this whole period, there was one thing that ran through my mind that went back before all of this. Um, and it actually went back to a time when my wife and I were discussing having children. I was unsure about having children, if I'm being perfectly honest. And it wasn't because um, I didn't like the idea of having a child. It was more the idea of what are we bringing them into? My wife, when we were having this conversation, you know, long before, uh, said to me, I understand what you're saying. I understand that there's a lot of uh, concerns with the way the world is heading. But if we have children, they can be a part of the solution. With that, I knew that if we're going to have children and we want them to be part of the solution, then I have to be leading the way. Yes. So to be a good parent, I realized very, very quickly that, um, that I had to walk the walk rather than just talk the talk. I didn't realize when I first started the breath and the ice that this was going to be something so pivotal in my son's, uh, upbringing and the way that he came into this world and how he interacted with us. Um, and keeping in mind at this stage, I was still in a space of, okay, I'm just going to do it for me. You know, whoever wants to come can come. But then as that grew and as I saw the impact it was having on my friends and some of those friends were people that were living in one bedroom apartments or, or studio apartments and they hadn't seen people in a few months and they were in a very, very dark place. And so I quickly decided, okay, I'm going to open my doors. Yep. And the first event that I did uh, was actually to a men's circle, a bunch of guys who actively trying to uh, improve their life, um, whether that be mentally or physically, spiritually or emotionally. And also they were looking for connection. And that first event, um, yeah, opening my garden, opening my home to uh, the outside world filled me with so much motivation to continue this work and to get more and more people um, coming into this space because no matter how people come through that door, when they arrive, they leave differently yeah. as they exit. Um, and, and that got me really, really excited. That made me realize, well, it's not just me feeling linked, you know, everybody else is feeling it too. And, um, Initially speaking, I started, um, and that was the most important thing for me was to just begin. And I had no idea where it was going. And year one was a year of just discipline and, um, consistency. It was a year of connecting with more and more people and a year of really just allowing that process to pave the way to what was going to happen next. So week in, week out, I would open my home and on a weekly basis, I may get four to eight people uh, every single week. A lot of those people were, were friends of mine or friends of friends. And some of them were passing through, you know, on holiday. And, uh, and, and at the end of the year one, I s stood back and I was like, wow, like that was a lot of people, you know, coming in and out and, um, some of those people remained, you know, they came every single week. 
And then the second year, uh, I decided, okay, well, let's open it up some more. Maybe, maybe I'll do a second session. My passion for helping others and my passion for, um, what, wanting more and more people to have this experience drove me to saying, well, I'm going to, I better continue to, uh, put as many sessions as I can, I can put on within my, uh, time frame, and, you know, and people just kept coming and I was like, wow, okay, this is, this is something that, so, um, of course, you know, I was working a, a normal day job and, uh, and, you know, also juggling being a husband and a father. So I, I really had a certain amount of time and effort and energy that I could, that I could devote. And, but that devotion, um, was very well received. Um, I got amazing feedback and during this time, I began to start to realize that this was no longer about breath work and an ice bar. It was so much more than that. This was about community. This was about connection. Mm. This was about an intention and an authenticity. Um, and this was about creating a safe space for people to come and be who they actually are. And I just wanted to create a space where people could drop that mask, be whoever they wanted to be at that particular moment and, uh, feel comfortable in doing so. The previous process was you come, you have coffee. Yeah, with this, there's a little bit of small talk and then we get into the practice of the breath work, which leads beautifully into the meditation. And then we move over to the ice. That changed, that changed quite a lot. In fact, to where, yes, of course, people came, they were welcome. First of all, a welcome is not just a, hi, how are you? You know, one is in, you know, what's your name? And it was a big hug. It was a big warm hug. And I'm so glad that you are here. Um, secondly, it was to check it. How are you? Not just a, how are you for a, a response of how you feeling, how you feeling about this experience? Yeah, this is your first time. Like, are, are you okay? You know, where's your head at right now? Um, so the networking begun, um, the conversation begun and, um, and some people would come into that space and they'd be very, very nervous. Um, they would be quite closed they'd be quite anxious and being in a space where they knew that they were going to be facing discomfort, uh, with the ice. However, those emotions were quickly, uh, drops and quickly changed when they realized that actually they were going to be allowed to be whoever they wanted to be at that particular moment. And they were, they were going to be supportive throughout that entire experience. And then on top of that. It was a case of just giving them a place where they were actually being listened to mm -hmm. and they were being given the time and the respect. So people were coming for a nice bath, but they were leaving with so much more. And, um, and I've had people from other countries come visit the community and say, oh, I wish we had that, uh, where I'm from. And my message to all of those people is, well, then make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If that's what you want and that's what you desire, go and make it happen mm -hmm. because that's what the world needs. And that is why I always say every single week, this is your weekly reminder. All of those things that you want to do, that you say you're going to do, or that you dream with having, begin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes we are fearful of failure. I know sometimes that we tell ourselves stories in our head. 
and that we negotiate with ourselves in our head. But if we remove all of that, then the first step has to be to do it. Absolutely. Do you remember Garfield the cat? This it was a British cat. Well, it was an American cartoon, and yeah, yeah. There was a meme, and it, and it, and it was him sat on the sofa, you know, just relaxing, and it said, "I would be unstoppable if I could only get started." Is it? And the whole idea there is is this, uh, you know, this this concept of, of breaking the ice, of of starting to you know push the snowball off the hill, and start to get momentum. Um, and we we we're always preaching that as as practitioners in a clinic because I think as a, as adults we we can become a little bit set in our ways when it comes to um, starting things or being adventurous um, and and experimenting. And ultimately, we can all talk about having busy lives and not having the time. But I think we have time for the things that we prioritize. We always seem to find time. And when it comes to health and wellness, you know, the the, the adage is that a well person wants many things, but an unwell person only wants one thing. What you're kind of alluding to here is this, you know, your 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 concept is called Malai, which means to start, is... You know, taking that first step and, and having that growth mindset, I think it's Caroline Dweck who, who came up with the concept of the growth mindset, that idea of just starting something with an open mind um, and and rather than saying, I'm not good at this, maybe saying, I'm not good at this yet, having this understanding that actually everything will start with a degree of unfamiliarity and discomfort. Um, but as you know, as we become more proficient, we develop that familiarity, we develop that flow, we develop that ability to do something with ease, more economically and more proficiently. So actually, this is where my son has become one of the biggest inspirations in my life. A child has no other thing to do than to start. Yeah. Okay. A child has no other thing to do than grow mm-hmm. um, and to learn and to evolve. Mm. And... You rightly said, you know, as adults, we, you know, we lose some of that to some degree. Yeah. And um, my son reminds me of that day to day because I see that change every single day. Yeah. I see that growth every single day. Let's not lose that childlike mentality. You look at some of the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Why are they so successful? Most of those people have remained uh, or retained that childlike mentality mm-hmm. where they think anything is possible. The concept of failure being an innovative thing uh, needs to, we've got to embrace failure as much as we em- embrace our successes. Mm-hmm. Um, failure is what humbles us. Uh, failure is what teaches us. And I think it's so important for us to, to remember that when we were children, um, we had this drive to learn. So the childlike mentality has been a big driver for me. Um, and that's helped me um, become uh, fearless um, in this space. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important, especially I've kind of promoted this idea that wellness or healthcare and medical practitioners, we should be leaders as well as experts in our field. Because as you rightly said earlier, children and I believe adults will take more or be inspired more from what they see in the, in, in the form of action as opposed to what they hear. So if 
there is somebody who's trying to give you advice sitting across the way from you who doesn't look um, or doesn't kind of exude the, 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 the kind of the idea or the belief that they're actually following their own advice, is that going to be as inspiring as someone who is not a professional in, in the health and wellness industry, but is out there taking action, living the life and sharing that with other people? So for me, I'm far more inspired and I'm sure many people are by what they see as opposed to what they hear. And I think that the medical and healthcare culture should take more influence from the health and fitness industry where you have people who are leading, who are doing it, living the life, because that is just intrinsically so much more inspiring and motivating. Um, so but when we talk about doing, uh, that was, that's actually a really, really key point because um, I did a lot of doing. I pushed myself and I tried to go down as many different angles as I possibly could. I took an approach of let's see what where what what is possible. And I had a lot of people around me at that time saying, "Oh, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You can't do that. You can't do this," um, and giving me all of this uh, advice. If if I just um, did everything by the book, uh, I wouldn't have getting to the uh, the insights and the experience that I learned through that whole experience. Mm. And what I've begun to realize is, is in a space where um, you're in a challenging environment or you're being put into discomfort, often uh, ego comes into play. Yeah. And often competition comes into play. Um, now, that could be a competition with yourself. That could be a competition with another person. And, and what I realized is, is that I, I had to try my best to... to uh, remove that ego from that space as much as possible, and I felt that was the more the more responsible uh, approach to take mm-hmm. um, in this in this uh, environment. Having um, pushed my boundaries and had having um, put my 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 own self through many different experiences when it came to the breath and the ice, I began to recognize certain things. Um, so that helped me help others in a completely different manner mm. that works for for so many. The way that I the way I help people get comfortable in that space is um, first of all, um, it's not just one thing. Okay, it's it's a multitude of of ingredients that make up the recipe of what that Mulai method looks like. To come in and to be able to connect with other people. Um, is is n- number one um, to feel like they're supported and surrounded by, by other people is is really important, mm-hmm. um, and to do that in a way that there's there's um, an openness and an, and and a no ego type approach where people can just be comfortable and conscious of um, of, of how they're feeling versus uh, how they want to um, present themselves to the world. Yeah. The second thing is. Most people are there um, because they want to grow and, you know, because they want to ask themselves or they want to feel better. And sometimes uh, they they just need a little bit of help in terms of really understanding what their attention uh, looks like for that particular session or day. So helping them uh, uncover their intention. Um, and often that is done through our share of the circle. Uh, and our sharing circle is an opportunity where people can talk 
people um, sometimes just share who they are and where they're from. And other people share how they're feeling, what they've been through, what brought them here, what's happened over the last, you know, week or two weeks or, or their, even their lifetime, who some of the, the, the trauma that they've experienced, some of the intentions that they have, um, and so many more. Um, and, and these, uh, these moments where this sharing happens really drives the uh the energy for that particular session yeah so no two sessions are the same you yeah and and that's a that's the beautiful part about this coming together i think that's really i think that underpins a lot of the uh important facets of of healing you know into an experience with an open mind also expecting that no two sessions are ever going to be the same um and you know giving people a place where they feel safe you know i always say to my patients and and it's an ethos of the clinic that when people walk in that they can feel safe to talk about anything because we know that what the symptoms the symptoms that they're walking in with are a, an expression of a number of compound factors it may be stress it may be um you know suppression of emotions it may be, um, you know, all of these personal um, domestic issues that we, that burden us and compound to create physical symptoms. It's not just, oh, I slept funny and my back hurts, or it's not just, you know, I slipped and my, my neck hurts. A lot of the symptoms we see are related to these micro stressors of everyday life and just having a space where you can come and unpack or take off a few of those layers i call it the the adult trench coat take off the adult trench coat and and relax your body a little bit sometimes we don't have to do anything we don't even have to touch people we don't we we, we could just allow them to be in a space and the decompression that happens can be miraculous and decompression is such a is such an important word in this whole conversation because mm. when people feel stressed so they might go and do relaxing things, whether he sat, sat by the beach and watching the sunset or, yeah, came for a, a, a soothing massage or a therapy, um, but decompression. And when you decompress, uh, the body and the mind, that gives you a whole different feeling. And that brings me into breath work and the meditation, because what that often does is it, first of all, relaxes the nervous system and quietens down that monkey mind, all of those thoughts that, that plague us sometimes mm. all, all day, every day. Um, and let's be honest, a lot of people don't have the most positive internal voice. Um, and they have a lot of trauma, a lot of things that they carry around with them day in, day out. To quieten that down and bring them into their energy is such a powerful tool. Um, and one that we, we, we can utilize all day, every day. Yeah. And often when we look at some of the things that we've done personally in our lives that maybe we're not so proud of, um, times that we're, where we've reacted, uh, and we've been, you know, had, had knee-jerk approach to different situations. Mm -hmm. And, um, in hindsight, we look at those situations and if we say to ourselves, well, if I'd have just taken a big deep breath at that moment, then that outcome could be completely different. 
Yeah, that just really reminds me. I was listening to um, a podcast yesterday, and this expert on on um, on health and happy well happiness in particular, psychological um, approach to happiness, and he said, "You know, follow your grandmother's advice of count to ten before you react, but actually you count to thirty. You just have that space between the the emotion or the the, the actual incident." and the emotional response so that you can come into your prefrontal cortex, the, the more analytical or executive part of the brain and make a, or, or exhibit a, a better or more appropriate response. So yeah, absolutely. I would often just sit there and do one round of like a breath work. And, and after that one round, yeah, it would take me what, two or three minutes, uh, to do a round of breath work hmm. and yeah, my nervous system was back into a relaxed state. My mind was clear again, and and everything everything had changed. So the way I viewed the situation would be reconstructed. Absolutely, my version of reality would be different. Mm. And yet, it helped me be more responsive as opposed to uh, reactive. So, so the breath has has really helped me uh, in my day to day life, and and I know that. For many members of the community that have experienced that same thing. Yeah, breathwork has really um, been a consistent um, intervention that we've talked about in many of the podcasts. I mean, it is something that's so simple and and fundamental, yet a lot of the time, yeah, absolutely, but a lot of the time we're just not bringing an, an element of consciousness to it because it's such a subconscious autonomic process. Um, but as we've mentioned, uh, breathing can be dysfunctional, it can be... It, it can be pathological um, as opposed to beneficial and when people are in this mild state of you know kind of um, chronic stress or you know fight or flight then they're breathing up into their chest they're breathing up into the upper lobes of their lungs um, breathing shallowly you know kind of retaining a lot of carbon dioxide instead of perfusing the tissues with oxygen and this deliberate breath is really about you know using the the, the lower lobes of the lungs using the diaphragm activating the phrenic nerve activating the the um you know the parasympathetic or the rest and digest branch of the nervous system, and it is miraculous what can happen in two or three minutes. You know decreases in blood pressure, decreases in heart rate, um you know improvements in circulation, um feelings of you know centeredness of of composure, even memory improvements. You know these are just small little things that can happen with very simple check-ins. You know like you say two to three minutes, um and in a world where we're constantly being exposed to micro stresses and distractions um, is really important and I think we should really talk about the context of of, of uh, you know why Mulai and the ice baths and the breath work and this whole experience is so important because we live in a world where we're constantly being distracted our attention is the new economy whether it's tech companies whether it's mainstream social media it's, it's all about you know getting us to pay attention to things that aren't necessarily in our best interests um, and as humans, we are kind of physiologically optimized to be um, to pay attention or to be distracted because it's helped us survive. If you had a, a rustle in the bushes, you weren't just going to ignore it. It could have been a, a predator jumping out of a bush. So we're optimized to be distracted in many respects because it was a you know a kind of a survival instinct, and it still is. We're still these what I say, Paleolithic hunter-gatherers living in a modern world. And so therefore, being in this environment, and let me just pertain to the discomfort of ice baths, 
putting yourself into these controlled experiences of discomfort build resilience and also they have numerous physiological benefits which we haven't really gone into so let's quickly just talk about a couple of the benefits of you know kind of cold water immersion first things first is when we talk about the benefits of cold water immersion we're looking at uh, we're looking at the physical which we know um, as dramatic effects whether that be reducing inflammation whether that be um, building back brown fat we burn the white fat yeah it's an improvement in metabolic rate which and actually the white fat can be transformed into brown fat which is this like you said this fat that's metabolically active which we don't have a lot of but that actually and, and it releases absolutely and it releases beneficial hormones as well so we actually want to promote this brown fat accumulation and um, it helps the skin it boosts boost collagen yeah it's a reverse aging uh, uh practice system and immediate pain relief i think that's really important immediate yes uh and of course with um the the the, the taking away of uh, pain uh discomfort the it flushes uh your blood through your body where if you're exercising on a regular basis and you've got a build up of lactic acid it will help uh remove that sick athletes using it so frequently for recovery yeah and what's not to like about a 250 percent increase in dopamine what's not to like about that yeah well i mean the dopamine is is not just uh, a quick hit that which is what you're getting you know when you're on social media or you're yeah drinking coffee whether it be you know there's there's so many dopamine fixes that people have but the dopamine that you get from the ice bath, um, it lasts mm. and it actually increases over time. Then we get into, so outside of the physical, which, you know, we've kind of, uh, skirted under to some degree coming from a personal standpoint, I have been using the positive stress, uh, that the ice bath puts me into to build a completely new level of, uh, mental uh resilience and also work my way through certain thought processes and certain feelings and certain moments in my life uh, where things haven't been easy so i've used that uh discomfort um to build that that strength again for those people listening that have done the ice before they know that one thing that you uh, have to do is listen to your body and control your breath and those two things uh, are incredibly important in terms of bringing you back into that uh that state of meditation and meditation is also something i feel that maybe misinterpreted to some degree or, yeah. or not even misinterpreted but misunderstood um people often think that to meditate you have to be sat still you know, with an empty mind um, in a peaceful place. Actually, that's that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could talk about this for quite some time, but we don't have time for, for all of that. <laughs> but what I will say to you is um, the breath work will, will put you into a beautiful state. If you think about, yeah, the concept of mindfulness is really about being able to be present in the moment. And mindfulness meditation has... You know, it has numerous benefits, but one of the, the underlying concept is to bring us into the present. And when you're 
immersed in an an uncomfortable experience, you can be nowhere else but the present. And as you as you said, you know, meditation doesn't have to be done um, sat on a mountaintop in the lotus position. Um, It can be done in a boxing ring. That's why I choose. I I I love boxing. I love sparring because you have to be present. You can't be thinking on your phone, flicking through a magazine while you're on a cross trainer or on a treadmill. You've got to be present because someone's going to hit you in the face. Um, and and ice bathing is another one of these um, concepts where you have to literally be present with that level of discomfort because it is such a an alarming and also you know kind of it it, it could be a I wouldn't say life threatening but it's a it's a significantly uncomfortable experience where you have to have your faculties focused um, on what your body is doing to assess whether you are in a, you're still in a safe space in that environment. This is another thing actually, because um, when people go into the eyes, often that eye mechanism kicks in and often they, 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 they tend to seize up to some degree. Mm. They become tense. So what I remind everybody is when they're in the eyes, use your breath to become relaxed, become free and, and use your mind to accept and it completely changes that whole experience. And it also completely changes how your body reacts. Uh, it completely changes how the healing process um, takes place. Because I'm telling you, and again, this is from personal experience, if you're tense in the ice bar, then it can also create more tension when you come out as well. Yeah. Um, so my goal is always to remind people to release, mm. let go. Yeah. Accepts. Relax. Yeah. Be free. Be playful. You often see a, a a mirror or a reflection of a person's mental state, psychological state when they're in when they're in that uncomfortable experience. And I think ultimately, when people come into the clinic for treatment, there may be a level of expectation about what's going to occur about what they think is happening to their body with regards to their pain. Um, And that can get in the way of their treatment. So yes, completely. A person's mindset absolutely will govern the healing process. It will govern their ability to cope and adapt to uncomfortable experiences. And this whole idea of letting go, of of just yielding and being submitting to what's going on, just actually softening to the process is part of you know it's part of all our or underpins all of our ability to experience um you know to thrive and to to experience um, a balance in our wellness and um i find it really fascinating that i see extensions of people's personality in their pain in their discomfort um because the more rigid the mindset is the more expectations that are there the more beliefs about what the pain is that are there it just creates this solidification of the actual physical discomfort and it creates the resistance and that's what you're talking about is when somebody gets in an ice bath and he's tense and is resisting it's going to be a short-lived experience and at some point if you were kept in there you would have to yield you would have to soften to it and that's when your circulation can optimize. That's when your nervous system can calm down. That's where your breath can relax. So it's this ability to yield and soften it and accept what is at that moment rather than push against it and fight it. 
And um, in, in the great kind of philosophy of Stoicism, I think it's Epictetus that says, it's not um, things that harm us, it's our belief or our perception of those things, our opinion of those things. It's not the actual things or the experiences that harm us. It's what we think of those things. Yeah. You know. And I remind everybody, you know, all of those stories that uh, we've built up in our own mind as a true Yeah. Uh, and just allow yourself to be. Yeah. Because if you do that, then you're actually listening. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so we're going to zoom out now. And uh, we're going to bring this back round to the whole idea of community. Now, in the UK, um, you know, there's this concept of social prescribing where doctors and healthcare professionals are um, signposting people out into the community to find um, these preventative and therapeutic modalities that are happening in the community, whether it be a yoga class, whether it be a meditation class. And what you're doing is a perfect example of um, of 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 you know a community driven um preventative and i would say rehabilitative um intervention now i believe that beyond what we do in this clinic for treatment people need to be going out into the world after a treatment and maintaining this um you know these practices and also creating new social norms because beyond malai's experience you're creating a community a set of social norms that are different to the, you know, the kind of mass culture of materialism, of individuality and of competition. You're creating collaboration and, and a sense of value-driven living, health health and wellness, value-driven living. So, um, you know, one thing that is really important is the community aspect. And I think that what you're doing is a complement to what we try to do within the clinic. So, you know, what would you say to people um, who are maybe struggling with their day-to-day, um, you know, life in Dubai, whether it be through stress, whether it be through, you know, um, a feeling of being disconnected, what advice would you give? First things first is um, to make a decision on on doing something for themselves. Often people don't show that, that level of self-love and self-care um, that they need to. Um, they they always believe that there's something else more important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think number one is to make that decision that you're going to do something for you. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is to to take that first step. Yeah, put your name on the list to turn up. Yeah. Um, and number three is to be open. Yeah. Um, yeah, to go into it with with an open heart and an open mind. Yeah. Um, and and truly be authentic in, in, in doing that. You know, this is, uh, what we've created is a, is a safe space for people to come and, uh, and be the authentic selves. Um, there, there's a, it's a place where people can come and be heard. Um, it's a place where there's no judgment. Um, I mean, I say there's no judgment. People judge people like regardless of anyway. We can't stop that. But, it's definitely a place where people are accepted. Um, and outside of all of those things, um, the community um, has attracted lots of like-minded individuals. Yeah, uh, The community uh, has attracted um, a wealth of support, love, and knowledge. Yeah. Um, and the community 
has given people a place where they can feel comfortable. And I believe that community is uh, is a word that, that some people see in a different light. Um, there's communities on social media. There's communities um, in, in different facets of life. But real community should be uh, based on uh, the fundamentals of life. Yes. Um, and that's what we focus on at Rely Community, uh, the real fundamentals of life. Uh, and that's where we pride ourselves. So um, for all of those people that are listening that haven't taken that first step, um, be kind to yourself and do that first. Yeah. And uh, go into it with an open heart and trust the process from there on. Fantastic. Well, that is a brilliant way to end the conversation. Um, and like I said, at the Osteopathic Health Centre, we're really hoping that we can you know, create more connections like this with these amazing community-driven wellness um, interventions. Thank you, Ian. That's been a super inspirational and super insightful conversation. And um, I hope it's the first of many. Keep doing what you're doing, brother. Take care. <laughs>